I'm in your egg and everywhere like glitter with diamonds in my veins. Glitter, all I want is to hear from you like glitter. Some girls were made to shine. Kiora tena koto katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ, the glitter episodes, where I'm rambling, like seriously rambling today about RPG. Yep, I'm sorry, those of you who are here to hear about New Zealand, there's not gonna be any in this one. It's all about role-playing games, um, specifically about the one-shot that I'm writing and uh, some serious spoilers with that. So if you are at all interested in playing in this one-shot or play-testing it or helping me in any kind of way and you don't want spoilers involved, um, then stop listening now. If you'd like to help me by having a listen to what I have already and helping me out with my bit of writer's block and not really showing what to do from here um, and also sharing a mechanic that I've come up with and I'd really like to hear what people think about it, what could the problems could be and stuff, then please keep listening because I need all the advice at this point I can get. I think I've gone a little bit outside of my usual depth and trying something very new so yeah so what am I up to my goodness I'm writing a one shot so uh, those of you who have played with me before maybe you've played in a game of mine before will um, potentially know the Whistle Whistles the Whistle Whistles um, featured in the very first one shot ever wrote um, called Hallowed Festival of Frights, uh, where they investigated a haunted house um, in a town of Whistle, and it was just a bunch of friends that entered a haunted house um, and ended up cracking open a local thief's uh, hideaway um, and revealing that to the police and basically returning everybody's stolen goods. So it's a little bit of uh, you know, like Scooby-Doo in there, you might hear a little bit kind of similar sort of vein, but you know, D&D, 5e, a little scary, little RPG, you know, little bits of that going on. Um, and then I liked the Whistle Whistles so much that when I wrote my next one shot, Adrift on Ruined Seas, where um, it's all about pirates and high sea adventure, um, I brought them back to crack open another mystery and decided that the Whistle Whistles were actually a adventuring, mystery-solving team for hire, and um, they would be doing adventures at every level between 3 and 20. And so as I decided to write my next one-shot, I settled on a fifth-level adventure, uh, squarely in between the third level of my first and the seventh level of my second, um and um fifth level is just kind of fun so characters just get fun at that point and still able to take to conventions and stuff which is really important to me because um a lot of 
what I do at, at conventions is teaching people to play. So I want to play something that's fun and crazy but has differences so that they go away and they've had a great time or that people who signed up pretending that they don't know how to play who just want a game of D&D because maybe they haven't played in a while also have a good time. So um, writing stuff like that is really important to me. So what am I writing this time? Well, it's pretty gruesome. I want to do a homage to Jack the Ripper. Big fan of his work. I mean, not actually, you know, like not a big fan of the whole murdering girls thing. But um, when I was over in London, I'm, I'm just fascinated with it. I'm fascinated with the story. I'm fascinated with the fact that they don't think they've caught, they kind of think that they know who it might have been, but they're not really sure. And there's just so much crazy mystery and like stuff around it like like and and myths and, and legends and stuff that have sprung up around the whole thing that it just it's just fascinating so um I love it and um when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for my next one shot I kind of wanted to do that something to do with that uh and then when I was writing it uh right back at the start uh, a friend on Twitter Stephen Garcia at, at the bat aunt at the underscore bad DM on Twitter um, bought out a college for Bart's called the College of Nightmares. Um, and basically, the College of Nightmares, it's, it's you know, a subclass for Bard's and 5E. Um, but instead of, like, it being about songs of valor or charming or anything, uh, College of Nightmares brings to life horrors that haunt the night causing fear altering reality leaving their listeners like broken and mad so and I loved it loved this you know um college I I bought it off DMs Guild um fully supporting um Stephen what he was doing um I'm my main character and my own podcast is a bard so it appealed to me I thought maybe um Molly could be like a horror bard for like a, a Halloween special or something um but the more I read it the more as a DM I needed this to be one of my big baddies I needed to set players against a college of nightmares bard and so these two things kind of started combining in my head this gruesome reality of this um serial killer uncaught who is ripping apart um victims and this this bard that can make people go mad and, and and tear into their realities and and that started forming the basis of this one shot in my head that was enough so the basics of what I've got so far without um going too much in in depth is that the whistle whistles have been called in again by the local law enforcement who have a serial killer of some kind of horrendous potentially magical means on their hands and they just can't figure it out so they're reaching out to um unique sources uh, they're they're reluctant to do so they're almost angry about doing so but they are kind of doing so so uh, they think there's a serial kid that they aren't quick enough to catch but actually what it turns out to be and here's the spoilers is that the bard is charming them with nightmares and horrors so viciously mentally damaging that the victims are going mad and actually injuring themselves which is why they never catch 
the murderer there at the scene despite how fresh the murder victims seem to be um so the party are there to figure out who's doing the killing and how and not go mad themselves before they do so so i want to have a list of things that they will see that will challenge their sanity or horrify them to give lots of chances for sanity checks because that's going to be a main mechanic um, in this one-shot adventure not just because of the baddie as such the big baddie um, but because the whole campaign is going to be geared around madness and horror um, so yeah I have a few shady ideas about what my encounters might look like but honestly they're really not set in stone at this point and um, I'd love some ideas if what I'm talking about generates anything in your head I'd love to just have like a list of things that I can kind of choose from like almost like a random table but like with a few key encounters that give them information about what's happening but maybe there's a few others kind of that I can just choose from randomly depending on where they go or what they do that would be great um like the main ones obviously the tavern where they're staying is where the bard is playing and that's a must scene um, I'm not exactly sure how that goes or why they're there yet, but um, when I was talking to Josh Beckerheimer about this from JB Publishing, he sort of suggested, like, obviously that's where they start, Jules. Like, obviously that's where they start. They, um, they go there before they even get the mission. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, you're right, but, like, is it too much of a trope, you know? Like, oh, you get your quest from the tavern, but they're not getting their quest from the tavern, but they are meeting the baddie in the t I don't know, like, is it too much of a trope? Is it going to be too obvious? Mind you, the bard's just playing in the corner. Who's going to suspect the bard, right? Um, but, you know. Anyway, I want a murder scene to investigate. Like, someone's going to be dead. And they've got to be trying to look at it to figure out what's going on. Are they there when the cops are there? Do they get to go there by themselves? Do they have to break in to investigate it because cops won't let them in? I haven't decided these things yet. Um, and I want them to come across a victim that's not yet dead who's like ripping themselves apart so they have a chance to save them. And I think that's got to happen kind of later in it. Otherwise, if it happens too early, that might give the game away as to like that it's a, a mental effect, even though I, they probably will figure out that it's some kind of mental effect based on the fact that I'm making them do sanity checks the whole way through. Um, <laughs> I mean, players aren't dumb, but I guess I didn't want it to be too obvious right up front so yeah that's what I have done on paper so far I guess um I have other ideas that are just kind of ideas written down um like I have an idea for why the bard is doing this um originally he was just a normal kind of bard of whispers and secrets and deception and all of that kind of stuff um and he worshipped the god Zinth um, in Fate of Aizen, the the D and D podcast that I'm on um, and have been on for like two years. Um, we have our own world, our own gods, and Zinth is the god of lies, deception, and betrayal. Uh, he's most commonly referred to as Zinth the Untrue, usually worshipped by themes, crime lords, politician, propagandists, that kind of thing. Uh, and his appearance is that of an impossible beast consisting of giant wooden mask with a thousand arms. 
the face on the mask doesn't move as normal but can change between static expressions of like happy sad frightened angry uh is said to appear to those who have just committed some kind of grand deception or dishonest activity and in most cases doesn't speak it just sort of thanks them, congratulates them for their dishonest act and then embraces them before disappearing into static shadow so most people describe its demeanor as overly friendly intimidating and oblivious of personal space and the motto of the synth faith is uh, we hide our strength in whispers and shade um, in Dungeons and Dragons 5th ed like to link it back to normal 5th ed stuff Zinth's domains are trickery and knowledge just so that you can kind of get an idea um, yeah so Zinth now in the podcast um we have been uh, restoring the gods' connections to Aizen. For various reasons, the gods' connection has been lost for the ages. And uh, my party, the, the players of my party, uh, they, I'm in, I'm a player of this, um, have been restoring god hearts, these crystals, to their different shrines and stuff, which has been restoring connections of gods to the world. And my idea behind um, because all of this is set in Aizen in the world that we've um, created together um, my idea is that Zinth has actually recently been restored and this bard who I don't have a name for yet um, has been praying to Zinth for like their whole life and recently because Zinth was restored they replied and <laughs> that was enough to like finalize his madness I guess finalize this bard's crazy uh and he's gone full college of nightmares now based on the fact that he saw this crazy impossible beast with giant wooden mask with a thousand arms and and that was too much for his poor mind to take um yeah so I guess that's kind of my idea as to why he's doing it so I've got lots of these ideas Run down. I have um, ideas about other um, other creatures with psychic effects and uh, mental attacks and stuff being around the town um, as kind of oh, what do you call that? Like red herrings um, for the players to go chasing after. Um, but I don't want to have too much of that because again, one shot. So I don't want to have endless amounts of things that they have to go off and chase i want to keep it tight keep it short um um yeah yeah i guess i guess that's kind of all i've got so far i've got so many notes um like there's a song that people keep singing snippets of and i'm i'm actually writing a song um a song about nightmare bards and um, he sings it, like the bard sings it when he casts his spells. Um, and that's why people sing parts of it or little bits of it um, as they're like killing themselves or whatever. Yeah, and I haven't finished that song yet. So, um, but if you're interested, like when I finish it, I can tell you what it is. This is going to need like editing because I've gone like, um, yeah, uh, yeah, mm, the whole way through. But. Um, this is what happens when I don't 
script what I'm going to say. So anyway, I hope uh, you've enjoyed listening to me ramble about this one shot that I'm writing. Um, I really hope you call in. Anyway, um, what's up next is I'm going to talk to you about uh, the madness mechanic that I wrote for this game. Because it's not enough to just write the one shot. Apparently, I have to rewrite mechanics to play it too. So I'll let past Julia tell you about that because she's got her crap together. Okay, bye. Okay, so now that you know a little bit about the base of the game, um, one of the first things that I wanted to plan, write, find, all of these words, um, was um, some mechanics around horror or fear, because I wanted this game to be fear-based or horror-based, because I I really like that stuff. Um, I wanted this one to definitely be a scary one. It makes sense, considering the premise, right? So... Um, I want it to drive the characters mad or to put it another way like to challenge the characters sanity you know I decided I wanted to insert a mechanic to emphasize the horror they were seeing in the hopes of making it more disturbing so I went looking in my beloved Dungeon Master's Guide uh, for inspiration and I went through some interesting places And basically, I'm just going to recreate my journey for you here as to where I went and what I was reading. So, I started with um, a sweet little part in the DMG um, under adventuring options, um, which is like changing things to your campaigns outside of like the normal rules or whatever. So, there's actually rules here for fear and horror. Um to sustain an atmosphere of dread in a dark fantasy campaign, you know? So, I mean, yes, this stuff is all based on campaigns, but, I mean, of course, even writing a one-shot, this is where I'm going to go. So, what does it say? So, fear. When adventurers confront threats they have no hope of overcoming, you can call for them to make a wisdom-saving throw. Set the DC according to the circumstances. A character who fails to save becomes frightened for a minute. The character can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of their turns, ending the effect on the character on a successful save. And let me just turn off the sound to my phone because that could get a wee bit annoying. Um, So horror, what's the difference here? So horror involves more than simple fright. It entails revulsion and anguish. Often it arises when... Adventurers see something completely contrary to the common understanding of what can and should occur in the world, or upon the realisation of a dreadful truth. In such a situation, you can call on the characters to make a charisma-saving throw to resist the horror. Set the DC based on the magnitude of the horrific circumstances. On a failed save, character gains a short-term or long-term form of madness that you choose or determine randomly as detailed in Chapter 8, running the game which of course set me off heading towards that because madness that's what I want right cool the DMG already has stuff for it so let's see what they say about madness 
Okay. In a typical campaign, characters aren't driven mad by the horrors they face and the carnage they inflict day after day, but sometimes the stress of being an adventurer can be too much. If your campaign has a strong horror theme, you might want to use madness as a way to reinforce that theme, emphasizing the extraordinarily horrific nature of the threats that the adventurers face. And of course, obviously, I'm thinking about that wording because I've, I've read this a couple of times. Um, and that's probably why I used it when I was talking about this. So, going mad. Various magical effects can inflict madness. On another word, stable mind. Certain spells can cause insanity. You can use the madness rules here instead of the spell effects in the player's handbook. Because obviously the player's handbook details what happens for a spell. But you could use this instead, is what it's saying. Um, diseases, poisons, planar effects such as psychic wind or the howling winds of pandemonium can all inflict madness. Some artifacts can also break the psyche of a character who uses or becomes attuned to them. Resisting a madness-inducing effect usually requires a wisdom or charisma saving throw. If your game includes the sanity score in Chapter 9 Dungeons Master's Workshop, a creature makes a sanity saving throw instead, which was interesting to me because I'd gone straight to madness um, based on the other one and the sanity saving throw is actually back where I was. So anyway, it says here that madness effects can be short-term, long-term or indefinite. Most relatively, mundane effects impose short-term madness, like which lasts for just a few minutes. More horrific effects or cumulative effects can result in long-term or indefinite madness. So short-term madness, it says here, is about 1d 10 minutes long-term madness is 1d 10 times 10 hours and indefinite madness just gains a new character flaw from the indefinite madness table that lasts until cured so i was reading over these tables and i was like okay cool so like an example of things that are on the short-term madness table um they're all D100 rolls, obviously. Um, 1 to 20, character retreats into his or her mind and becomes paralyzed. Uh, and the effect ends if the character takes any damage. Stuff like that, quite instant. Especially if they're in the middle of combat or something like that. They're going to be pretty screwed, which will be interesting. Um, Long-term madness. One of the um, examples on here... Um, Let's see. Uh, the character experiences a powerful delusion. Choose a potion. Choose a potion. Character imagines that he or she is under its effects. Or um, I quite like the characters blinded or deafened. Uh, blinded twenty five percent or deafened seventy five percent. So you know that could be a thing. Or the character loses the ability to speak. Um. Which could be serious if they're a spellcaster with somatic. Uh, or the character suffers from partial amnesia. They know who he or she is and retains racial traits and class features but doesn't recognise other people or remember anything that had before the madness took place. So, I mean, these could be very fun. I actually really like the tables. I think the tables are very cool and I could probably just use these straight without having to do any work to them. So that's cool. Um... I was quite interested in what it was saying about um, sanity checks, though, after having read that in here. So I went looking 
for that as well. And I found it, um, it does say if you like that these could be considered new ability scores. You could build them in as ability scores here. And it says if you're running a campaign shaped by a strict code of honor or the constant risk of insanity, consider adding one or both of these new ability scores, honor or sanity. The abilities function like standard six abilities with exceptions specified in each ability below. Uh, here's how to incorporate these optional abilities at character creation level. So if your players use standard array of ability scores, add one 11 to the array for each optional ability that you add. And I'm like, mm, boring. Um, if your players use the optional point by system, add three points to the number of points for each optional ability that you play. And I'm like, mm, boring. Uh, or if your characters roll their ability scores, have them roll for the added ability score. I'm like, uh, boring. Um, as I was reading these, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's an ability score, but I kind of don't want it to operate like an ability score. I mean, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Um, because it gives you that check, that saving throw, or whatever it is. You know, they're talking about charisma for honor and um, wisdom for sanity. But um, anyway, let's read what it says about the sanity score. Consider using the sanity score if your campaign revolves around the entities of an utterly alien or unspeakable nature, such as Great Cthulhu, whose powers and minions can shatter a character's mind. A character with high sanity is level-headed even in the face of insane circumstances, while a character with low sanity is unsteady, breaking easily when confronted by eldritch horrors that are beyond normal reason. You might ask characters to make a sanity check in place of an intelligence check to recall lore about alien creatures of madness featured in your campaign, to decipher the writings of raving lunatics, or to learn spells from terms of forbidden lore. You might also call for a sanity check when a character tries one of the following. Deciphering a piece of text written in a language so alien it threatens to break a character's mind. Overcoming the lingering effects of madness. Comprehending an alien magic foreign to all normal understanding of magic. Yeah, it's cool. Um, you might call for a sanity saving throw when a character runs the risk of succumbing to madness such as in the following situations. Seeing a creature from the far realm or the other alien realms for the first time, making direct contact with the mind of an alien creature, being subjected to spells that affect mental stability, such as the insanity option of the symbol spell, passing through the demiplane built on alien physics, resisting an effect conferred by an attack or a spell that deals psychic damage, a failed sanity save might result in short-term, long-term, or indefinite madness. Anytime a character suffers from long-term or indefinite madness, the character's sanity is reduced by one, which was really interesting to me. A greater restoration spell can restore sanity lost in this way, and a character can increase his or her sanity through level advancement. So I read all of that in the DMG before I even started working on it. I don't know if that was interesting, by the way, me reading the DMG out to you and taking you through kind of what I found and stuff. It's been 10 minutes, so it's probably boring as hell. Maybe I'll just cut it. Anyway, but I read all of that. I liked some of what I read, and I wasn't so keen on others. Like, I don't know, sanity check like that, insanity saving throws like that. <sighs> Seems kind of boring and slow. I need results 
of effects to be more immediate because I'm writing a one-shot. In order to add drama into the situation, it needs to happen quickly and be resolved quicker than that. Um, so a sanity score that they pass or fail or whatever seemed to move too slowly and allow too many opportunities for like nothing to happen. You know, a one shot's supposed to be crazy and deadly and fast paced and just bah! So I needed to rethink things based on what I read. So I put pencil to paper and here is what I came up with. So that's what I read and kind of ignored most of it, <laughs> took parts of it, and I hope you like what I came up with. Okay, so at the start of the one shot, each player character rolls for sanity. It's a d20 roll plus their wisdom modifier capped at a max level of 18. And you'll understand why soon. Everybody will have a different starting place, but that is kind of the fun of it. And I did take that kind of from the DMG with like that high level of sanity, meaning that they're quite level-headed and low level of sanity, meaning that they're like easily broken by stuff. So anyway, that is their sanity score. For all abilities, for all intents and purposes, it is a sanity score, but not quite like an ability score. To pass a sanity check, and there will be many, as I talked about before, they must roll a straight d20, no modifier, under their sanity score. Yep, rolling high is bad. I know, I know. I stole it from another system. I can hear you all crying out. That's not 5A. My bad, okay? I play other games sometimes and I like the way they play. And yes, maybe I just wrote my own role for something. Whoops. Anyway. Every time they fail a sanity check, points are removed from their sanity score. Bringing the score down and down and down and making it harder and harder to pass. The amount of points removed from their score differs from how badly they roll. It's not just rolling a 20 that'll get you in trouble. There are other things that you can roll that will hurt as well. Because one shot, we need to move quickly. So here's kind of the table. So if they roll over their sanity score by one to three, points they lose a point one point if they roll over by four or to seven points they lose two they roll over by eight to thirteen they lose three fourteen to twenty they lose four twenty one to twenty five they lose five points pretty simple right a little bit of math required but i don't think it's terribly hard i also deliberated with a mechanic to give them back points if they had lost them by um like if they rolled well they could get back points but i think for a one shot with limited time this actually might end up being more trouble than it's worth so i scrapped that idea for now but i do actually have a table for it um for if i was playing in a longer game maybe uh with some kind of horror or fear effect um that it could work so where it starts getting interesting is where their sanity score dips to zero or below. Um, that's where the fear, short-term, long-term madness starts coming into play because I did like those tables quite a lot. So once they go under, 
they'll need to pass a sanity check at the start of their next turn by rolling a d20 against their starting sanity score. So that very first one that they rolled. A pass gains them five sanity points. A fail moves them steadily down the chart to the depths. So when that very first they roll under zero, they get um, just a, a thing I've labeled fear for ease of myself. Either it's got a little bit of room to play here. So either they get disadvantage on any checks to do with the thing that made them lose their sanity points, like lose their sanity, or they get the frightened condition. I think that's kind of like space to play in there depending on what's happening in the room because if they just found a creepy note in the middle of a room they you know sometimes running out of the room isn't as fun as giving them disadvantage on a bunch of checks from that point onwards every time they see a piece of writing like you know it could be, I don't know it could be kind of fun um but up to you either way uh and then their second fail they gain a short-term madness for 1d10 rounds Third fail, they gain a short-term madness for 1d10 minutes. And the fourth fail, they get a long-term madness for 1d10 hours. Um, obviously, they don't stack. And a player can't roll a sanity check while suffering the effects of a madness given. So they can't like roll again to beat their short-term madness that they've got for 1d10 rounds until the 1d10 rounds are done. And then they can roll again. Um, or they, um, perhaps the madness is removed because they will allow like a restoration or a something to remove madness, but it's going to be pretty expensive and pretty hard to do it considering they're going to be at level five. So not exactly able to do a lot themselves at this point. Um, but they still could find someone, pay someone. I don't know. It's possible, but difficult. So... That's what I'm thinking currently. Yeah, I think I covered it all. Uh, obviously I haven't played it yet and seen how it's played. Um, I've rolled rolls for myself. So I know it takes like a good sort of eight checks or so potentially before someone actually ends up in the madness. So it shouldn't be easy to do to get down that far, down the chart. But I guess it would be possible with really bad rolls, so, or really good rolls, considering they're rolling high is bad. Are we rolling good? I don't know now, is, is yeah, anyway. I've, ch I've changed things and I'm not sure that I like it, but screw it, it's, I've come too far. <laughs> it's a thing now. Anyway, I'd love your feedback on what you think of the mechanic that I've um, explained here if I've even explained it well please ask me questions if you're not sure because honestly I'm writing it from scratch and just kind of trying to as you could tell like as you know make it from the rules that are given to me and rules that I think um, will work based on how many one shots I've actually played and, and run and know that have experience around things needing to be faster and quicker and more intense so I don't know I'd be I'd be really interested to know what you think um so please please call in um and let me know
Thanks, past Julia. That was very informative and interesting. Well, I thought it was. But I said it, I guess. Past me did anyway. Anyway, what am I doing? I'm saying the outro. Okay. So, thank you very much for listening today. I wanted to give a big personal thanks to all of my gems. Shell, Lucas, Glenn, James, and Jason. Could not do this without you, crew. And a big shout out to Shell, my most recent Patreon. And very, very special lady. Uh, essential worker. Such a champ. And also, I've been lucky enough to play in a few sessions that she's DM'd. In between her crazy work schedule. And I have learnt a bunch about running games and playing Pathfinder 2. She is brilliant with my millions of questions and my general mucking about in all of her games. So much love, Shell. I love you. And this has been really, really fun. So I can't wait to play in another one. Uh, Haven't had any call-ins today, you may have noticed. So probably there will be another episode that's going to be a big, load of call-ins um because i didn't have any time today and i'll wet your whistle about what the next jewels from nz episode is going to be it's another one of our favorite drinks which one well you'll have to stay parched as you wait and see if you're enjoying listening to jewels from nz please give the show a review on the platform of your choice it all helps Where else can you find me? Well, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all under Jules Bergeser. That's J-U-L-Z-B-U-R-G-I-S-S-E-R. E nohora, ka kite ano. I really hope that I hear from you soon. Please reach out, leave me a message on Anchor, flick me a Twitter message, hit up my DMs on Facebook, Grab me on Instagram and comment on one of my pictures. Any of the things, I just really want to hear from you. Okay. Bye.